When we only have a few minutes to share Christ with somebody um, and to do it quickly, we automatically do it in prayer. It's instant. What can we pray for you for? Um, and we do it quickly and, and we're in and out because a lot of times we do only have a minute or two with them. So everything we do, we do in prayer. I, I try to intentionally um, take my time when I, when, I, when I see those. But for me, showing Jesus quickly is, is and sharing Jesus quickly is, is that, that love that we, we always talk about that Christ followers should have and, and that example. So for me, sharing Jesus is, is through my own actions. And, and sometimes we only may have a couple minutes to see somebody that needs help in a grocery store, see somebody. And then at the end of my conversations, I intentionally say, God bless you, bless you. And I think that resonates with them. And I usually see a smile following it. So I, I think about two years ago, um, Pastor Jeff shared um, the eight-word gospel story, you know, how to share the gospel in eight words, and I still can't remember all of them, but I remember the gist of it, and so that's helped me. So, you know, it's this idea that God created us, and, and we rebelled, and we have this need for grace, um, and it requires faith of us to, to accept Jesus, and then this idea that He's going to be transforming us, and our job is to conform to Him, and that we have this future hope. God gives us hope. And um, I, I think that has been useful um, because, you know, it's not too much to remember. And uh, I've, I've, even though I don't know that I use the exact eight words, um, it's still enough of a framework that when I feel like God's opening that door, I have that tool that can help me. My story um, reaches a wide range of people. Um, and I usually, especially the kiddos I have in, in my own class, I, I use my story to, well, I guess not to my benefit, but just to make those connections, to put people's walls down a little bit, um, coming from the service and being injured and coming from a factory setting and even coming from an alcoholism standpoint, I can cover a, a wider range of people and, and know what they're talking about and I can feel their pain. Yeah, I think, I think that I've used versions of my story to share the gospel and, and in part some of it is thinking about again I just want to remember what it was like when I didn't know the Lord and how I felt so unsure there was just uncertainty kind of around every corner and so I think recounting that in a way that you know is is focused on the fact that the Lord is there um, that he he is waiting for for us to to turn to him Jesus, um, we have this hope that God's, unrighteous, God's righteousness will cover our unrighteousness. And I think that was the other part. You know, I felt chased by my sin. And so sharing kind of that part of my story, I think, can help others that who may be feeling like sin is around, their sin is surrounding them or drowning them. And that, you know, Jesus really reaches down um, in his grace to, to pull us from that that sand, quicksand that's just all around us because of our sin. So this morning I want to, um, before I jump into things, let me give you a little bit of a caveat. Uh, if you sit here this morning and 
uh, you would not identify yourself as a Christian. You know, you're kind of investigating all of this stuff and seeing if, if you believe it or not. And uh, first of all, let me say I'm glad that you're here. I think it's a good, a good place for you to be. No one's going to uh, try to manipulate you or cause you to believe or do anything that you don't want to do. Um, but I want to say this. I want to be just roll uh, forthright with you. This morning, what we're going to talk about um, does not have direct application to you right now. Um, hopefully it will in the future, but um, what we're going to talk about um, really pertains specifically to Christians, to the life of a Christian. And so um, it won't have direct relevance to your life right now, but I think it's really good for you to hear it ahead of time because what we're going to talk about um, is of utmost importance to Christians. It is, it is um, one of the things at the very core of what it means to be a follower of Jesus, to be a Christian. And the neglect of what we're going to talk about today, really what we've talked about in this series, but specifically today, the neglect of it is what has killed churches all over the world, especially places like Europe and Canada, which uh, sociologists and missiologists would say those are post-Christian places, right? If you go to Europe, you'll see these beautiful old cathedrals that are empty, they don't do church there anymore. There are so few churches in Europe. Canada is the same thing. We have some uh, Grace Brethren, a few Grace Brethren churches in Canada. There are so few churches in Canada. And it's the same, it's what's killing churches in our country as well, all over the place. The, ne the neglect of what we're going to talk about here today. In this series, the kind of the, the core of this series is um, we've been talking about what it looks like for us to be a witness, right? To, to, to use the word that Paul, uh, I'm sorry, the writer of Acts used in uh, Acts 1.8 to what it looks like for us to be Jesus' martyrs, martyrs, okay? That word is translated as witness. And so we've said this is somebody, you know, we kind of have a basic understanding of what it means to be a witness. This is somebody who testifies to something that they've seen, something that they've experienced, something that they've observed, right? But we said being a witness for Jesus is different. It's testifying, but it's not like the way that we think of it when, you know, I got to go to court and it's an hour out of my life and I'm never going to get back and I have to testify to something I've seen and then I just sort of go on with my life. The testimony for Jesus, being a witness for Jesus, is different. There's, there's a different sort of seriousness to it. We can get it by, again, looking at that original word, martyr. It's, it's where we get the word martyr from. Right? And so there's a very uh, strong seriousness to it. And so what we've been challenging each other with throughout this series that um, I hope has been healthy for you, it's been very healthy for me, is um, am I willing to be a witness for Jesus no matter what the cost? Am I, am I willing to be a witness for Jesus? In this country, um, many times the cost is minimal, Right? Like we're free in this country. There's freedom of religion. You can kind of be whatever you want, believe whatever you want. No one's going to put a gun to your head and shoot you and kill you for it. Other parts of the world are different. But for us to take a step back and go, am I willing to be a witness for Jesus no matter what the cost, even when it's inconvenient for me, even when it might be dangerous for me, even when it's uncomfortable for me, even when my life is not perfect Am I willing to be a witness for him no matter what the cost? And I don't know what like, it looks like for you to wrestle with that question. Maybe you sit here this morning and you're like, I don't know, maybe, you know, sometimes I feel like I'm willing to do that. Other times I'm not so sure. I want, I want to be able to say yes to that question. Uh, what we said throughout this series is that being a witness, the foundation 
of being a witness, the kind of way that Jesus calls us to be a witness, the foundation is prayer, right? I, I've been teaching, I should have a couple services last week, I've been teaching this class on Tuesday nights, a Grace College class on prayer, and it has been so good for me. Like, I pray, of course I pray, um, but praying in a different sort of way and reading so much about prayer and thinking about the importance in the context of all of this stuff that we're talking about in this series. Sometimes we can look at prayer and we, we imagine it to be something different than it really is. You know, like it's gotta be the right words and I have to be eloquent and all that sort of stuff. And we say, no, it's just talking to God. It's listening to God. It's being with God. It's being in his presence. And, and there's some, I'm gonna get, say a statement that is a strong statement that every day... <laughs> that I'm a Christian, every day longer than I'm a Christian, I believe this more and more and more. And here it is. You will never have a strong faith. You will never be a mature Christian. You will never be a bold witness for Jesus unless prayer is a big deal in your life. That is, that is absolutely true. Some of us this morning, you're like, I've been a Christian for a long time. I seldom pray. We will never have a strong faith. We will never have spiritual maturity. We will never be driven to be a bold witness for Jesus unless prayer is a big deal. What will happen is we'll be lukewarm. And you're like, oh yeah, I'm a Christian. It doesn't really make a difference in my life, but I'm a Christian. And then what happens is the ways of the world move us a lot more and affect us a lot more than Jesus does. And some of you know exactly what I'm talking about right? Like you felt it. You feel it every day. The highs of the day make you good, feel good. I'm strong. I'm happy. The lows of the day, you feel terrible. It's like the roller coaster of life. I'm affected so much by all of my circumstances and all these, you're like a ship on the sea, right? And the waves are just up and down and up and down instead of being strong in the Lord, right? Instead of being strong in him. And so this morning, if you sit here and you're like, yes, I know, that's that's how I feel. I feel like I'm affected by everything in the world a lot more than I'm affected by Jesus. I'm going to give you good news. The good news is it can change today. Like today, it could be different for you. If you and I make a decision today that we're going to make prayer like the non-negotiable in my day, spending time with Jesus, the non-negotiable in my day, I promise you, I promise you, your faith will deepen. I promise you, you will become more spiritually mature. And I promise you that you will desire to be a witness for Jesus. Sometimes we can think like, yes, I know I need to do this. I need to be a witness. I need to talk to other people about Jesus. I know in my mind that that's part of being a Christian. And that I feel really guilty because I'm not doing it. Doggone it, I'm going to do it more. That's not how it works. The way that it works is God changes us and lights something inside of us the more time that we spend with him and we actually desire to do it more even when it's inconvenient even when it's dangerous even when it's uncomfortable even when my life is not perfect which none of ours is even when it costs me much it's through prayer that God shapes our heart and it's through prayer that he impassions us to be a witness for him so we've said prayer is like the foundation of all of this it, not just being a witness for Jesus, but all of the Christian life. If you want a deeper faith, pray more. If you want to become more spiritually mature, pray more. If you want to be better at talking to other people about Jesus, pray more. That's the key. And so what we've been challenging you in this is like who are three people in your life 
that you could be praying for that are part, you're three, we've said, right? Three people in your life. We all, I, I promise, I hope, if we think about it, we all have at least three people in our life that we have a, a very normal, natural connection with. Maybe they're our family, maybe they're our friends, maybe they're our neighbors, our coworkers, our classmates, whatever, right? Three people that are apart from Jesus that have not yet experienced how much he loves them, that do not understand why the cross was necessary, that don't know what it feels like to be at peace with God, that don't know the freedom that comes in following Jesus, who are three people that you would say, I will pray that God does something inside of them. I was talking to somebody right after service, right before this service, and they're talking about their boss and how their boss is like very wealthy and very greedy and very apart from Jesus. And he feels this burden. And we're like, yeah, we gotta pray. God's the one that's gonna change that. It's not gonna change any other way, not in a lasting way, right? And so who are three people in your life? I've, I hope you've been, don't answer out loud, but have you been praying? for your three that we've been talking about. I hope you have. If not, it's not too late. Like, do it today. Write down three names. Put it on your fridge. Put it on your bathroom mirror, whatever, and lift them up to the Lord. And so what we've said is, as we pray, what we pray for is that God would make us aware of the needs and the struggles and the feelings of those around us. Like to actually see people. To not just see through people, but to see them, to not overlook them, to not get frustrated by their needs and critically glare at them, right? But instead to see and feel and care for their needs. And so we said our differences really make us, and I thought this was interesting. We got a lot of comments about this. The, the different way that I'm wired makes me aware of different needs and struggles and feelings that people have right? So my wife, the way that she's wired, becomes aware of certain things. It's like she sees things in people, needs, struggles, feelings that I don't, I don't see. Like I just don't naturally get it. I see other things that she doesn't see because we're different. We're wired different. It's actually how God, like God did it intentionally, right? And so he said our differences cause us to be aware of different things. And as we become aware of those different things, we do something about it. So we talked about caring. And we said the first two steps, prayer and aware, are like private. No one knows that we do that except us and God, right? No one knows how much I pray. You don't know. No one else does. No one knows the things that God makes me aware of. That's between me and him. But the third step is we actually do something with it. We say caring, the way that we're talking about caring, is not just like warm, fuzzy feelings, you know? It's not just uh, being moved to emotion. It's doing something about it. And so here's what it looks like. So we're praying that God would make us aware of different needs that people have, right? God makes us aware of a certain need. He makes us aware of how many kids in Barberton uh, don't have winter coats and hats and gloves and scarves, right? Or how many of them have old ones from last year that are a little too dirty, that are a little too small, and they're really self-conscious about being made fun of because they wore the same thing as last year. We become aware of the need, right? And then God moves our heart to compassion and then we do something about it, like many of you did. We, we uh, had, some, we, we didn't count them all, but we had somewhere at least 250 coats that, at this trunk or treat. You should have seen it. If you were there last night, it was awesome. We had just a long line of coats on these, on these hangers. And um, the, the, so we didn't even advertise it, barely, just barely. And within the first half hour, I would guess close to 200 of them were gone. We ended up, I think we had like probably 
15 boxes of coats that we brought, we had two that we brought home. Like there's a need, right? And we care for that need. It's, it's, here, here's how it looks. When, when we're praying and we're like, God, make me aware of a need. Make me aware of a need. And God makes us aware of how many women on our streets are being prostituted, right? Or in our clubs are being prostituted and taken advantage of. And we feel it. And we're moved to emotion like Christy was in those videos. And we go, I'm going to do something about it. I'm going to go out on the streets where it's dangerous and I'm going to help these women and I'm going to pray for them and I'm going to show them that God loves them, right? Like this is what, this is what it means to care. And so Josiah talked about it last week. He talked about how we use our talents, how we use our gifts, our blessings, our experiences. We use all of these uniquenesses. So because of our differences, God makes us aware of different things and our differences also allow us to care for different needs that people have, right? And so we use all those things to make a difference in people's lives. And what happens? Like when we do that, what happens? It says something to people, right? It, it reveals our heart to people. It shows people our motivation in doing things. It shows people our love. And so sometimes that's it, right? Like sometimes that's as far as it goes with people. We pray and we ask God to make us aware of people's needs, feelings, struggles, all that. We become aware of people's needs and struggles and feelings. We go and we do something about it. We help them in a tangible way. And that's all the doors that the Lord has opened. And, and it's not appropriate to go further than that because they're not interested in going further than that or they're not ready to go further than that or they're not listening to God whisper to their heart yet or maybe it's just in a context that's not appropriate to go further than that like sometimes that's how it happens this is what happens with most of the people last night at trunk or treat most of the people at trunk or treat last night didn't hear the gospel preached to them with words they saw people that were praying and we've been praying a lot for trunk or treat they saw people that were aware of a need they saw people that were willing to step out and do something about it, and that was it, right? They saw the gospel fleshed out, but they didn't hear the gospel with words. Sometimes that's it, and we gotta be sensitive to that, right? Like, we don't wanna kick down a door that God hasn't opened. Yeah, this person needs to hear the gospel. I'm just gonna tell them, and we could actually do more harm than good, right? Sometimes God doesn't open the door for any more than prayer, aware, and care, but sometimes... God does, right? Sometimes God opens the door for us to share with people. It was interesting. Last night, you know, so we talked to a lot of people last night. Again, most of them, I didn't share the gospel with them. There were two families there last night that uh, were asking about church stuff. I had great conversations with them. One was here this morning already. It's awesome. Another one I hope is they're supposed to come next week. I hope they do. And then, I'll just be real transparent with you, this morning when I was praying, <laughs> I uh, be became aware of uh, another guy that I, I dropped the ball with. I was having a great conversation with him, and I should have, like the door was open, and I didn't talk to him about God or church or anything like that. And I didn't, it's, and it's not because I was afraid, I just didn't think about it. Like I wasn't, I wasn't thinking about it, which happens sometimes, right? Like we're human beings, this is kind of part of it. 
So, so I've shared like within, with this series, like we've been planning for it for a long time. And it's interesting like how much things have changed over the course of months um, in what I wanted to share, like what we wanted to share with you at this. So um, for, for a while I was thinking, I want to give you guys, like, as we talk about share, I want to give you guys um, a way or two to share the gospel that's clear, that's accessible, that's simple, that's understandable, you know, method, something like that, that you could write down on a napkin, something like that. And as I was praying about it um, more this week, I'm like, ah, I don't think I want to do that. I don't, I don't think that's the direction that God wants me to go. Initially, we were thinking we want to have like a systematic plan to share the gospel that every household in Barberton hears who Jesus is, and we'll like sit and we'll keep record of it and we'll systematize it. And we're we're like looking at the logistics of that. And we're like, wow, that's going to be a lot of work, like knocking on doors and stuff like that. And like, I don't know if that's the best way to do it. Some people are wired that way; it's great. Some people aren't; it's really uncomfortable. And I'm like, I don't think that's the direction that we're going to go either. We, we talked about um, uh, like putting together a little resource, a little uh, almost like cheat sheet, you know, that you could take with you. And it would just be like helpful reminders as we're talking to people about Jesus. And I'm like, I don't think that's, I don't think that's what we're going to do right now either. And we may do some of that stuff in the future, okay? Like all those are good things. All those are fine ideas. We may do some of that in the future. If we do, we'll probably do it in more of a classroom setting, right, or a small group setting, something like that. But the way that I want to close out this series and what I want to share with you this morning is different. Um, I think what I want to do is um, try to take the pressure off. So this has been a pretty intense series, right? Like we're talking about going out and being witnesses, making ourselves uncomfortable, um, having the potential to be misunderstood by people. And I thought, I want, I want to just take the pressure off a little bit this morning. Uh, so he, I have two goals for us this morning. I want to try to convince you that you, if you're a Christian, remember we're talking, this morning we're talking to Christians. If you're not yet a Christian, uh, I want you to just hear this, okay? I want to try to convince you that you can share the gospel with people right now, today. You can, you can, you can do it. You can, you can do it. You can share the stupid movie quote. I'm sorry. Things just pop into your head sometimes, and they come out, and then you're like, eh. So anyway, so that's my first goal: that you can share the gospel with people right now. Second goal is this: I want to help you um, see and really feel what God's plan for your life and my life is, okay? Really, I want to help you feel it. I want to help you see it, but I want to help you feel it in a different way. I was reading some articles this week on um, just like why people don't share their faith with others. Like why don't we talk as Christians, why don't we talk to people that aren't Christians about Jesus? Like what keeps us from that? And so I read a bunch of them. There's some commonalities in some of these. One guy, Steve, Stephen Lee, wrote an article. I think he did a good job of kind of summarizing some of these things. And so he said one of the reasons that people don't do it is apathy. You know, a lot of these articles talk about that. Apathy. Apathy is like, I, I just, I kind of don't care, really. And we talked about that a little bit, like, throughout the series. Like, do I, do I really care? Like, do I believe this stuff and really care enough to, to, like, want to share what I believe with other people? And so we talked a little bit about that. The second one that they talked about is fear. And, and in this context, it was, like, fear of what other people would think of me. Why don't I share Jesus, talk about Jesus with other people? I fear that they're going to think that I'm, like, narrow-minded, that I'm a fanatic, that I'm a fundamentalist, something like that. And we talked about this a couple weeks ago as well. But the third one, this is where I want to camp out. The third one, um, why don't people talk to other people about Jesus? Why don't Christians talk to other people about Jesus? Is a lack of knowledge. And they go, I, I just don't know enough, you know? Like, what if people ask me questions and I don't have the answer to their question? What happens then? I, I've not read this whole thing 
You know, what if they ask me a question about something in the Bible and I don't even know it's a book in the Bible? I have no idea what they're talking about, right? Like, what if I don't know everything? Therefore, I'm not going to talk to other people about Jesus. And I'll be honest with you, as a pastor, I've heard that sort of thing in different contexts with different people lots and lots and lots of times. I don't want to talk to somebody about Jesus because I just don't know enough. I, if, I, if I just knew more, then I could do it. Listen. Let me, let me give you a few reasons why that is absolutely not true. If you sit here this morning and you're a Christian, let me give you, I'll give you three reasons. I'll give you a few reasons why this is not true, okay? The first one is this. You have a story. You have a story. And, and, and here, here's what I mean by that. So there's a lot of things that I don't know, right? Especially about God. There's a lot of things that I don't know about God. But there are some things that I absolutely do know about God. And there are reasons for me as I sit up here as a Christian, not as a pastor, but as a Christian, there are reasons that I have personally that I chose to believe all of the stuff that the Bible says about Jesus. I have reasons in my life. And for me, those reasons were enough. Those reasons were enough to help me cross over and say, I center my life now on Jesus. I give my life. I believe this stuff. I trust him. For you, it might not. But for me, I have reasons for me that were enough to cause me to believe all the stuff the Bible says. Here's the deal. I could very easily talk about those things. Right? Like, I, I don't need um, to sit down and make notes, to make a list, to make a chart, and then memorize it, and then when I'm in front of people, recite things that I memorized off a chart. I don't need to do that. These are my reasons. I have a story. I have reasons that I chose to believe Jesus. Let me give you an example from my own life. I, I could not explain. This is one of those things that was like paramount for me in choosing to trust Jesus. I cannot explain the lives of the disciples in any way other than Jesus is the Savior of the world. And here's what I mean by that. You got, like, think about the story. You've got um, one guy, Judas, who betrays Jesus right? And so the, the religious leaders give him money to betray him, and he gets the money, and he betrays Jesus with a kiss, right? And then they arrest Jesus, and then Judas is so overcome by guilt and regret and pain that he goes, he takes the money, throws it down into the temple, right? And then he goes, and he kills himself. He ends his life because he is so regretful for what he has done, right? And then you have these other 11 guys who have been with Jesus for all of this time, right? And then right at this was one sort of obscure day, right after this big feast that they have, they're hanging out with Jesus, and all of a sudden, these people come to arrest him. And what do these 11 guys do? I'll do this. They take off, right? They leave. They all abandon him. In fact, it's kind of humorous in this. One of the guys is like running, and they're grabbing hold of his clothes, and he like doesn't even care, and he runs away. They pull his clothes off, he runs away naked, right? I mean, that's like how much these people wanted to get, these disciples wanted to get away from Jesus. And they go from that to abandoning him, every single one of them, to just a few days later, being willing to give their lives for him. And every one of them did Except one, John, who they just didn't take his life, but he would have. They instead exiled him to a far off place. I, I, and, and the reason they gave their life was because they believed now that the friend that they abandoned a few days earlier was God the Son and the Savior of the world. 
And I look at that and I go, I cannot explain that away in any other way. And Jesus is who he says, who the Bible says he is. I, I can't explain it, right? Now, I don't need to study that. I don't need to make notes and look at my notes and, and, and you know, I have to do that to tell you. I, I just know it because it's my story. It was paramount for me. I have a story. You have a story. For you, it might be different. Maybe it's the same. For you, it might be the empty tomb, right? For a lot of people, it is. You're like, I cannot explain that any other way. I can't. Maybe for you, it's the miracles that Jesus did. Maybe for you, it's some sort of spiritual experience that you've had with Jesus. You're like, it's undeniable. It's, part of, it's my story. I can share that easily. I don't have to think about it. So it, it, it's interesting. If you go into the New Testament, you see something that a guy, Peter, one of Jesus' uh, original disciples said. It's so interesting. He says, we've got to be ready to share that. This is in 1 Peter chapter 3. He says, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. See it? Always be ready. Always be prepared. Somebody comes up to you and says, why do you believe that? Well, it's easy. Let me just tell you why. This is why I believe. Peter says, be prepared to give an answer when God brings somebody up to you to tell you about the hope that you have, to ask you about the hope that you have. We each have a story. Some of ours are the same. Some of ours are different. But you have a story, and it's easy for you to talk about your story because it's your story. That's the first thing. Here's the second thing. Second reason that it's untrue for you and me or anybody else um, that we just don't know enough to tell other people about Jesus. I have a love, right? You have a love. I have a love. And here's what I mean by that. See, I don't, so I've married a lot of people. That's not fair. I've officiated a lot of weddings of a lot of people. <laughs> Clarify with that. So I've officiated a lot of weddings, and um, any time I officiate a wedding, I also um, do premarital counseling with people. And when you do premarital counseling, inevitably you talk about your own marriage, like it's just kind of part of it. And so I don't have to, when I am going to do premarital counseling with people, I don't have to like sit down and make a list of the things that I love about Marsha, right? Like I don't have to write like how pretty she is or how sweet she is or how... You know, she lists me buy stuff and all of that thing. Like, I don't have to make a list of that stuff. Why, why don't I have to make a list of that stuff? Well, because I know, right? Like, I just, I just know because I love Marcia. She's my wife. And I talk to her a lot. I talk more. She, she's quiet. She does more listening than talking. But we talk to each other. We spend time together. She's my best friend, right? Guys, it is so similar with Jesus, Right? It's so similar with him. If we really love Jesus and we spend time with Jesus and we read about Jesus, right? it's so easy for us to share about who he is. Why? Because we love him. Because we spend time with him. Because we know about his life by the things that are written about him. I don't have to plan out anything to talk about who Jesus is because he's my best friend. Right? Each of us has a story that's unique to us. I don't have to study my story. It's my story. Each of us, if you're a Christian, you have a love. You have this Jesus that we spend time with that we get to know. Let me give you one more. Here's the third reason why it's silly for us as Christians to think I don't know enough to talk about, other, to talk about Jesus with other people. Here it is. You have a help. You have a help. 
And, and here's what I mean by that. We, I, I bring this up a lot, and I'm, and I'm glad we do. It's intentional. If I'm a Christian, I have the Holy Spirit of God living inside of me. I, I have, like, just ra- try to wrap your mind around that for a second. You know, R- Romans says it's the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is living inside of us. The God of the universe. So we're at Halloween time, horror flick time, right? We talk about demonic possession and things like that. You are possessed by the Holy Spirit of God. The God of the universe lives inside of you. And here's the thing. We can neglect him. We can ignore him. We cannot listen to anything that he says. And we can listen closely. And we can give him leadership in our lives. One of the things that it means that the Holy Spirit lives inside of us, it means a whole lot, like what he does for us is a whole lot. One of the things that I think is clear in the Bible is he gives us, he speaks to us, and he gives us words to share. This is what Jesus says uh, in Luke chapter 12. Listen to this. He says, when you're brought, he's talking about to his disciples, when you're brought before synagogues, rulers, and authorities, do not worry about what you, uh, how you will defend yourselves or what you will say. For the Holy Spirit will teach you at that time what you should say. So this, this is a different context. I realize that, you know, that Jesus is talking about that. But I think he's teaching us a truth that applies to other situations in our lives. One of the things that the Holy Spirit does is he speaks to us. And he gives us truth. He gives us the words to say if we pray. And if we're listening, right? If we're depending on him and not our own strength. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, this is a passage maybe some of you have heard before. It says, trust in the Lord. Like, think about this in the context of the, of the indwelling Holy Spirit. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. I got not in my own strength, not in my own understanding, but relying on my helper, Relying on the spirit inside of me. And so this morning you sit here, if you're a Christian, you got a story. You don't have to study your story, it's your story, right? You have reasons that you chose to follow Jesus. You got to love. If you're a Christian, you love Jesus. That's, that's what it means to be a Christian. That's, a, that's part of it, right? And so you got to love. You have somebody that you're spending time. It's not hard to talk about the one that we love. And you have the very spirit of God living inside of you whispering to your heart if we're listening. It's promised to every Christian. So, so here's the thing. All that stuff, our story, our love, our helper, all of that stuff is given to us for a reason, right? It's given to us for a reason. And, and this is where I want you to, I, I want you to see it, but I want you to feel this. This, this is our reason. This is, this is your purpose and my purpose. Listen, listen to these promises. This passage has been just so good for me to pray through this week. This is Romans chapter 10. So Paul writes, and that's what he says. Listen to these promises. If you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it's with your heart that you believe and are justified. It's with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. As scripture says, anyone, listen to this, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. For there's no difference between Jews and Gentiles. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone, if you're interested. 
If you want to know him, if you want salvation, everyone, right? Now listen closely to this. Here comes our purpose. How then can they call on the one they've not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they've not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they're sent? As it's written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. Guys, listen. If you sit here this morning and you're a Christian, you and I are the bearers of good news to a world that is lost and dying. You and I have been given the cure to the disease that's causing death and destruction and rot in our world. Jesus changes everything, everything. When, when we get it, like when we truly get it, when we truly get the gospel, Jesus changes us. His love changes us. And then here's the amazing thing. We then get a chance to be a part of him changing the lives of other people. We get a chance to be part of the God of the universe's plan to change the world, to change people's hearts one by one. So I want to give you a last point here. I'm going to read it, and then I'm going to have you say it with me, okay? I am God's plan to save the world. I am God's plan to save the world. I want you to say it with me. Ready? I am God's plan to save the world. Do you believe that? Like, do you, do you feel that in your life? His chosen plan is you and me. Like miserable, fallible people. We're his plan. He's who's, we are who he has chosen to share the good news of what his son has done, to share the good news about how much he loves us. And guys, there is nothing greater than we could give our lives to. Nothing. Not, not you know, making lots of money, not having lots of stuff, not being super successful, not being super popular, not, you know, giving our kids everything that we didn't have. There is no greater joy. Some of you have felt this. Many of you have felt this. There is no greater joy than like being a part of God bringing the truth to somebody and them going, oh, I get it. I, I want that. I, I want Jesus. That is, if, if you've not experienced that, like you've been a part of somebody like making a decision to love and trust Jesus, follow Jesus, it's the, it is the best feeling that I think a Christian can experience. And the, and the gospel's not complicated. It's not complicated. You got a story, right? You got a love, you got a help. It's not hard to share who Jesus is. We, we're doing it right now with all of your kids right down that hallway. All of your kids can understand because it's simple. It's accessible. Jesus died for you because Jesus loves you. To offer us a gift that is free, but we can never earn on our own of forgiveness and peace and salvation and a relationship with the God of the universe that will change us. He's the one who changes us from the inside out and that relationship will persist for all of eternity in paradise. That's the gospel. It's easy, right? Our kids get it. God made it very clear and accessible no matter how old we are, no matter, I guess maybe kids have to learn how to talk and understand some of that stuff. But kids get it. We can get it. I, I want to end with a, uh, a quote that 
uh, one of you, a guy named Jeremy, one of you guys shared with me this week that has been like uh, simultaneously lighting a fire inside of me and punching me in the gut, okay? So, so it's by a guy named Charles Spurgeon. Maybe some of you have read some of his stuff. This is what he says. The Holy Spirit will move them by first moving you. So he's talking about people that don't yet know Jesus. The Holy Spirit will move them by first moving you. If you can rest without their being saved, they will rest too. But if you are filled with an agony for them, if you cannot bear that they should be lost, you will soon find that they are uneasy too. I hope you will get into such a state that you'll dream about your child or your hearer perishing for lack of Christ and start up at once and begin to cry, oh God, give me converts or I will die. Then you'll have converts. I read that and I'm like, I don't know if I care enough sometimes. I don't know that I have the agony that he's talking about many times. And my fear for myself and for each of us is that we miss it. That God is working in people's hearts that he's like, drawing people to Jesus and we are so distracted by everything going in our going on in our lives that we miss it or, or maybe even worse that we're like unwilling to take a risk to take a step out because we're not praying with him we're not asking God to make us aware of people's needs we're not stepping out and caring for those needs in tangible ways and so we're not sharing with people even though God may be bringing people right to us that need to hear the truth. Here's how I want to challenge you just at the end. May we be people that agonize over people in our lives that are apart from Jesus. Like may we be people that are uneasy and discontent in our spirit when we think about how many people in our lives don't yet know Jesus. Bible is so clear. There's two places that we'll spend eternity, heaven and hell. Bible's so clear. We can't take a little bit of it and go, I believe this, but eh, I don't believe that. Like it's, it's part of it, right? Do we care enough about people? Are we willing to take a risk enough, especially people that we know and love, to tell them about who Jesus is, the God of the universe that loves them?